Hey guys, this is the Mosaic Podcast and I want to welcome you. But I want to let you know that MSC just released a new album called Heaven. Seven brand new songs that express the heart of our community, our heart of worship, and are going to absolutely inspire you and make an impact on your life. Mosaic MSC, Heaven. Anybody here like being called out? You know, it seemed like all my life I did stuff that just always got me called out. In fact, a lot of times I did things that I didn't know would really upset people. I just knew they were against the rules. But then you got caught. You ever been caught? Then you got called out and you got called out publicly? It, 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 it makes sense sometimes if you get called out because, well, it was you. And you did it. And you didn't want to own it. But, but it's, it's, it's almost like become an avalanche in our culture now where everyone's just calling everybody out. And in fact, I think we have a, a culture now where we're looking for things people do that we can call out. Social media has become a tsunami of finding people to blame and finding them in their worst moments. And it's creating inside of our environment, inside of our culture, this, this dark, dark energy where we've now become accustomed to opening up the outside world to find out who blew it today, who messed up today, who fell short today, who can we talk about today? Because we, we love it now in our culture to find the moment when the person on the pedestal comes falling, tumbling down. So I, I think sometimes even... The reason people are, are, are so apprehensive to be in a spiritual space, to go to church or temple or synagogue or mosque, is because they, they know they're going to get called out. So tonight, I'm going to fulfill your greatest nightmare. <laughs> I'm going to call you out. But I'm going to call you out in a way that I hope will change your life forever, in a way that you will always want to be called out. I shared a few weeks ago, I have this friend named John Gordon, and we've been in an ongoing conversation because he, every year he has this theme called one word, and he always asks his friends, what's your one word? And he challenges people to have their one word. And, and I, I think pretty much everyone who's in the championship has been, been invested in by him. And, and he texted me and I think tweeted me and said, Erwin McManus, what's your one word? He called me out publicly, what's your one word? And, and I didn't have a word, so I, I had silence. And then he texted me and asked me, I said, I don't have a word yet, John. He goes, it'll come to you. And, and, and then we went to a Clippers game together, and, and I knew it was going to happen. While we were there, he said, hey, what's your one word? I'm like, John, I don't have a word yet. He said, it'll come to you. I said, I, I, I'm sure it will, but I just, I don't, I don't have a word. Maybe I need a sentence. I, I don't know, but I don't have a word. And, and, and then while we were there, I remember this. I, he said, well, I, I think your word should be like build. And... and and, and so I shared that story, and he heard me share that story, and so he texted me and said, I didn't give you a word. Only God can give you the word that you need. And I said, no, John, you gave me a word. It was build. I remember. It's a good word. I remember. It's just not my word. And, and then he said, well, I don't remember that. You have a great memory. I said, of course, because you were telling me that my word was built. He goes, no, but you, I, I wouldn't give you a word, and, and, and only God can give you that word. But as I was listening to you, the, the word alive came to mind, and he said it in all caps. So now he's giving me another word, build and alive, although he's not giving me a word. He's giving me two. And, and I realized a part of what John is trying to do is he's trying to call something out of me. That it isn't so much the word that, that fascinates him, is that he's trying to create an environment where we're all calling out of ourselves something that needs to be activated in our lives. And I started thinking about how, how one of the reasons what we are so fascinated by even professional sports, and isn't it odd that every athlete, no matter how good he is, has a coach? Even tennis players who are not required to have a coach have a coach. Even Serena Williams, the greatest athlete in the world, has a coach. In fact, she was accused of being coached during one of her matches. I thought, who, who would ever think Serena Williams needs to be coached? But I realized that, that people who step into greatness know they need a coach. Because what that coach does is that coach calls out their greatness. That coach does not allow them to 
be satisfied with whatever level of accomplishment they've achieved. And, and we're not talking about status quo. We're not talking about mediocrity. We're talking about the best athletes in the world need someone to call them out so they can actually step up. And this is exactly what God does. See, God calls us out. And he calls out of us those things that would stay dormant within us if he did not speak into us. So I want you to look with me in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 43. How Jesus calls out of us that which will never come out of us without his voice in our life. It says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. By the way, this is at the beginning of Jesus' public tenure. For the first 30 years, he was private. We don't really know much about his story, but now he goes public, and he's calling together his early followers who become his disciples, who become known as the apostles. And, and so he's selecting these individuals because the future of humanity is going to be entrusted to them. It says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come with me. Come follow me. Jesus calls Philip out. Philip was from Bethsaida, the town where Andrew and Peter lived, and they were also called out. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one whom Moses wrote about in the book of the law and whom the prophets also wrote about. He is Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth, Nathanael asked. Come and see, answered Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, he said about him, here is a real Israelite, there is nothing false in him. Nathanael asked him, how do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Teacher, answered Nathanael, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, do you believe just because I told you I saw you when you were under the fig tree? You will see much greater things than this. And he said to them, I am telling you the truth. You will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and coming down on the Son of Man. Now here is Jesus pulling together this group, this, this unique tribe of individuals upon whom the future of humanity would rest. And Jesus calls out this, this individual named Philip who knows Andrew and Peter because they're from the same area. And now Philip, who has encountered Jesus or has been encountered by Jesus, immediately goes and finds Nathaniel. Now right away what begins to happen is that there's this relational domino that takes place that once a person meets Jesus, he starts bringing the people they know, they start bringing the people they know to meet Jesus as well. See, Philip wasn't given any instructions how to recruit people. He, he wasn't given any, any command. You need to go and recruit the people that you have influence over. He just does it naturally. Because the reason that Philip does this is because he's been searching for this hope. He's been searching for what the scriptures promised would happen one day. He, he had been reading all of his life that there would be a Messiah, a Christ, a Savior who would come. And now he has been encountered by Jesus and the fulfillment of all of these promises, the fulfillment of everything he ever hoped for was being fulfilled in Jesus right then. And he couldn't help himself. He had to go get the people he loved and bring them to Jesus. See, I want you to realize that the entire economy of the movement of Jesus is relational. That it's all about relationships. It's all about caring about people. It's all about loving people. It's all about connecting to one another and then connecting each other to the God who created us. So Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one who Moses wrote about in the book of the law and whom the prophets also spoke about. He is Jesus, son of Joseph. And then he adds this little detail, from Nazareth. Because Nazareth was not a likely place for the savior of humanity to come from. Nazareth was, was considered an, in an area so unappealing and, and so insignificant that, that God probably doesn't even know it's there, but he certainly would never go there. And so Philip says, I, we found the one, but he's from Nazareth. There's this one glitch, and Nathaniel responds right away, can anything good come from Nazareth? 
And Philip doesn't even know how to answer that question because he doesn't know how in the world anything good can come from Nazareth. He says, come and see. And I'm absolutely convinced that, that everyone thought Jesus would come from Jerusalem. Or maybe he should come from Rome because it came during the time of the Roman Empire. And Jesus would come from someplace that would define him with, with power and prestige and wealth and significance. Why in the world would Jesus come from Nazareth? And I am absolutely convinced the reason Jesus' story comes through Nazareth is that Nazareth was the one place they thought God would not go. And God wants us to know he would go anywhere on earth to get to us. And so he says, come and see. So now we begin. Everything I've just said has nothing to do with my message. <laughs> That's just a preliminary, just to get us to the place where we need to be. Because in verse 47, it says, when Jesus saw Nathanael. I think this is so important because the story of Jesus and Nathanael begins not with Nathanael seeing Jesus, but Jesus seeing Nathanael. Yeah, I, I think most of us think that our story with God begins when we begin searching for God. But long before you started searching for God, God was searching for you. I want you to know, long before you believed in God, God believed in you. Long before you ever saw Jesus, Jesus saw you. It says, when, when Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him, he said about him, here's the real Israelite. There is nothing false in him. Now, this is the first thing that Jesus ever says about Nathaniel. What would you predict would be the first thing Jesus would ever say about you? Isn't that a little terrifying? <laughs> well, you know, I've had a bad life. Bad week, bad month, bad year. It's just been going bad. It would terrify me to think what Jesus would first say about me if what the church has been known to say about people is how God talks about people. See, I think most people are afraid of what God would say about them because they've been hearing people who believe in God talk on God's behalf. And so the language of the people of faith have been filled with judgment and condemnation, so we just assume that God's a judger and a condemner. We assume the first thing God's gonna talk about is everything wrong with us. We are absolutely certain God's gonna call us out for everything we've done wrong, for everything that makes us inadequate, for everything that makes us unworthy. I think that's why so many people are terrified of ever entering into any space where God might be because who wants to be called out for everything that's wrong with you when you already know what's wrong with you? But I don't want you to confuse God with people who believe in God. Because if you think that the first thing God would ever say about you is what's wrong with you, you don't know God. I love that the first thing that Jesus ever says about Nathanael is, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. See, Jesus is calling out the good in you. I don't know if you've heard him yet, but if you'll pay attention, if you'll listen carefully, if you'll ever pay attention enough to hear the voice of God, you will hear God call out the good in you. And when he says, here is a true Israelite, you ever gotten a compliment that was also sort of um, a little bit of a judgment. <laughs> but not on you, but on who might be overhearing. See, when Jesus says about Nathaniel, here's a true Israelite, everyone who was listening thought they were a true Israelite. I mean, after all, they were in Israel. And they were all Israelites. So what do you call someone who's a true Israelite when everyone's an Israelite? Like we were just in Mexico. And here we eat Mexican food. But what do you call Mexican food when you're in Mexico? You just call it food. Some of you actually think tacos and burritos are American. So when Jesus looks at Nathaniel and says to him, here is a true Israelite, he's actually letting everyone around him know not everyone who is of Israel is actually a true Israelite. You think that being an Israelite is all about your birth, about your genetics, about the color of your skin or your blood type or your family line. And Jesus says, this was never what an Israelite was. You see, 
the name Israel comes from a man named Jacob. And Jacob was renamed by God Israel. The name Jacob means deceiver. Because the beginning part of the story of the people of Israel was that one of their founding fathers was a deceiver. I mean, I don't know why his parents named him deceiver. It's one way of being called out. You haven't done it yet, but you're gonna. We can see it in your little eyes. You're gonna be deceiving throughout your life. Maybe he became what they called him, or maybe they called him what he became, but somewhere along the way, his name became Jacob, and he was the deceiver, and then he had an encounter with God, and God changed his name to Israel, and he changed his name to Israel because the name Israel means one who wrestles with God. Because one night, him and God had an encounter, and God had a wrestling match with Israel, and it says that, that God, in, in his form, could not get away. Do you really think God lost a wrestling match? He's too strong. He's too strong. I don't think it was like that. I think God did not want to win that battle. See, Jacob was wrestling with God. He was struggling with God. And, he's, and he said to God, I will not let go of you until you bless me. And so God blessed him and changed his name to Israel. You are no longer a deceiver. You are Israel, the searcher, the struggler, the wrestler with God. There's some of you here, you think that God is, is angry with you because you're struggling with faith. I want you to know that when God calls you a wrestler with God, someone struggling with God, someone who's struggling with their faith, God is actually affirming you. He's calling you Israel. And, and I, I meet people sometimes who, who have never struggled with their faith who have never questioned their faith, who received their faith from childhood and, and they've never had any doubts and questions and I'm worried for them. Because it means you haven't grappled with the deep issues of life. See, I think it's absolutely human to struggle with God. To struggle with who God is and how he works and who we are in relationship to him. And he says about Nathaniel, you are a true Israelite. I've seen your struggle. And I love the fact that you refuse to let go. Don't give up on the struggle. Just because sometimes it's hard to make sense of God. It's hard to, to find him sometimes. It feels like sometimes it's so hard to make sense of, of our lives in relationship to God. Don't, don't give up the struggle. Because it's in that struggle that God calls out the good in you. He says, you are a true Israelite. And then he explains it. He said... There is nothing false in him. You see, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders, they were trying to act as if they had no faults. But Jesus wasn't saying to Nathaniel, you have no faults. He was saying there's nothing false in you. See, God is not looking for you to be faultless. He's just looking for you to be falseless. And if we spend our life pretending we're perfect, we spend our lives pretending we get it all right all the time, if we spend our life pretending we don't need God, that we don't need forgiveness, that we don't need healing in our life, God can't help us. Because God can work through an endless volume of faults. But he cannot help us if we choose to be false. And so he says, here's a man in whom there's nothing false. The first thing Jesus says about Nathaniel is he calls out the good in him. When was the last time someone called you out for the good in you? See, I think we should start a revolution in our culture. We, we have a culture where everyone's getting called out for everything they do wrong. Why don't, we start, why don't we start a movement where we call out everyone for everything good they do? Whether they believe in God or not, whatever faith they may be from, whatever religion they're in, whatever position or, or, or belief they have that counters yours, what about if you spend your life trying to catch them doing good? They just call people out. It would terrify them. You know, I saw that. 
What? Don't you think for one minute. I didn't see what you did. It, you, you terrify people. I saw how you served that person. I, I saw you buy their lunch. I saw you. I, 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 I saw you serving that, 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 that community of people. I saw you give up that parking space. Well, let's not go crazy. <laughs> there are limits. What if we became like Jesus and started calling out the good in people? I was in a bookstore yesterday because in about a month, my next book comes out. And it's called The Way of the Warrior, by the way, already available for pre-order on Amazon. And just thought I'd throw that in there. And... And so I was in this bookstore that's near my house, walking around. I know this sounds crazy, but I was walking around imagining my book in that store because they do not carry my books. <laughs> and I was looking at all the people they carried, and I was so happy for them. <laughs> and I went to different sections, and I thought, oh, I, I could be here. I, I could be here in the philosophy section, or I, I could be here in, in the art section, or I, I could be here in the self-development section, or... I, I, I could be here in the graphic novel section. I, 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 I'm even willing to be in the, the discount section, you know. And, uh, and, but then all of a sudden, as, as I was walking around, this really well-known actor walks in with his wife and little girl. And she came in running. She was just so tiny. And, and he said, remember, you get to go pick out a book. And she was so excited that she left them behind. And, and they were walking through. And I thought, this is so beautiful. And then I realized, wait a minute. Where are the cameras? Where are the journalists? Where's, this, where's the paparazzi? Oh, that's right. No one's interested in catching him being a great husband and a beautiful father. But if he actually makes a mistake, if he messes up, if he falls short, there'll be somebody there to catch it and call him out. See, we need to start a new culture where we start calling each other out for the good. And I want you to know what I'm doing tonight is I've determined I'm going to call you out. I'm not going to let you settle for less. I am not going to let you settle for the status quo. I will not allow you to live in mediocrity. I'm going to call you out. And I want to be a part of who we are. Catch people doing good. Call them out. Call out their talent. Call out their, their passion. Call out the wonder of them. Call them out when they inspire you. Call them out when they encourage you. Because when you call it out, you call it out of them, and it becomes them. See, you, you ever been that person that just kept waiting for someone to call you out? And I started thinking how, how most of us, if we grew up playing sports and we were not very good, we're sitting on the bench hoping the, the coach would Call us out. Put me in the game, coach. Put me in the game. I, I spent my childhood waiting for someone to look at me and call me out and say, McManus, we need you. I'm calling. I'm ready, coach. I had to make a decision in my life. One day I realized no one's going to call me out. No one's going to pick me and put me in the game. And then I had this encounter with the creator of the universe. And I heard Jesus call me out and tell me that my life actually mattered, that my life was significant, that my life had purpose, that my life had intention, and that he would not allow me to settle for mediocrity or apathy or average. If he called me out, don't you think you're going to get by? He's calling you out too. And the problem, of course, is that, that people in your life will be happier with you when you fit in to the system. When you rise above the average, people will begin to look out for when they can call you out so they can bring you back down to size. So you need to decide what voices you're going to listen to. Here is a real Israelite. There's nothing false in him. Nathaniel asked him, how do you know me? 
Jesus answered, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. I, I, I love Nathaniel's response. How do you know me? I, I, I hear that kind of retranslated as, you don't know me. You ever try to speak into someone's life and they go, you don't know me? You ever had someone try to speak into your life and go, who do you think you are? You don't know me, but they actually do. In fact, isn't it odd that we usually say you don't know me to the people who know us? Well, what we're actually, actually saying is, I don't like how well you know me. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with the part of me that you know. I want you to know the other part of me. The part of me that I work really hard for you to see. I don't want you to see the part of me no one sees. See, Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Because he realizes that Jesus saw him long before he saw Jesus. And he's saying, how do you know who I am? Even the people in my life don't understand this about me. And Jesus says, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. And here it is, before Philip called you. Has it ever occurred to you when God seems silent, when God seems absent, when God doesn't seem to be engaged in your life, that God may be sending people into your life? Have you ever had people just speak truth into your life and you're like, you're not a right to speak to my life. God, what, what do you want to say to me? <laughs> See, what he's saying is, Philip called you, but I'm the one who sent him. Philip called you, but I saw you hiding in the fig tree. See, these fig trees are these big old leafy trees that they're kind of hollowed out. You could go inside of the fig tree and you could sit down and be invisible. And Nathaniel was on a deeply profound spiritual journey. Even though he was born in Israel, he wanted to be a true Israelite. He wanted to know God. It wasn't enough just to be born into God. There's some of you, you were born into religion. You were born into faith. You were born into a church or a synagogue or a mosque or a temple. And that has been the robe you've worn as your religion. But your soul is empty and hollow. And Nathaniel understood his emptiness more than anyone. And Jesus says, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. When you thought you were invisible, you were more than visible to me. You know what's terrifying about God is that God sees everything. We just want God to see what we want him to see. But he sees what we need him to see. And he sees you when no one else sees you. And this is a beautiful thing. See, Jesus doesn't just call out the good in you. He calls out the you you long to be. See, I, 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 I always used to hear people say, no, no, no. Until you, you meet God, until you have a relationship with Jesus, there's, no, there's nothing good in you. you. You can't do anything good. And it's this, this phrase called total depravity that, that we're just, humanity is so depraved and so sinful and, and so dark and destructive that there's never anything good in us. But, but I don't think they're paying attention to the inner narrative of our souls. Because I, I don't know about you, but I, I think I do. See, even before I knew God, even before I entered into a relationship with Jesus, I longed to be a human. I, I wanted to be a loving, compassionate human being. I wanted to be a person of integrity. I wanted to be a person who could be trusted. I wanted to be a person that could be admired. I wanted to be honorable and noble. How about you? See, there were longings inside of me that I could not live up to, and it broke me. It broke my heart. Every time I lived beneath my own longing, of who I wanted to be. And Jesus says, Nathaniel, I see who you long to be. And I know you're not that person yet, but I, I'm here to bridge the divide between who you are and who you were created to become. See, Jesus calls the you that will never come to being without him. You ever felt like the real you was in a coma? You know what I mean? Like inside of you? Not dead but definitely not alive or not awake. I think a lot of our destructive behavior is to try to bring out our deepest self out of the coma. I, I think we, we sense it, we're comatose. And so, it, it, so we actually choose like fame or wealth or power or, or, or success or, or pleasure. We'll choose sex. Or drugs, because we're, we're, it's like we get the paddles and, and, and we 
turn up the, the voltage and we go clear. Trying to awaken ourselves because we know something's dead inside of us. And it just stays dormant. It just remains in a coma. And some of you, you feel your soul in its comatose state of being. And I want you to know that Jesus, the one who died and rose from the dead, is the only one who can awaken your soul and raise you back to life. And he says to Nathaniel, I saw you and I knew you before Philip ever called you. And, but I, I think a lot of times when we're talking to God, we're convinced that God is not listening or not interested in engaging us in a conversation. You ever um, had a fight with someone, but they're both sides of the fight? By the way, I call that marriage. And Because uh, Kim and I, we've been married 35 years, but I can tell you that we've had so many fights where she chooses to be both of us. In fact, this week we had a small one. It wasn't a big fight. I, I, I was really sick, and she was taking care of me. It was so sweet. And I couldn't really eat or hold down food, didn't have an appetite, so she made this amazing soup. And then she brought me some soup, and I had a couple of spoonfuls of soup, and then I just didn't want to eat anymore. And she came back later, and the soup was mostly still there. She goes, oh, you didn't like the soup. I go, no, no, I love the soup. No, you didn't like it. I said, no, no, I, I really did like it. I just can't eat a lot. And she goes, no, it's was, it was too spicy, isn't it? I said, no, no, it's not too spicy. Said, yeah, you, you, you thought it was too spicy. He said, no, I, I didn't think it was too spicy. I mean, it was spicy, but, but it wasn't too spicy, and I knew I, even, I shouldn't even said that. And, and then she goes, I, she, and she goes, I knew you didn't like the soup. And I'm like, honey, you're having both conversations. You're, 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 you're you and me in this conversation. We're actually not fighting over the soup. You're fighting over the soup with me being here, present. And, and it's been like that through our entire marriage. <laughs> Somebody knows this all too well. I, I, we've had fights where I wasn't even present. This is not an exaggeration. I have woken up and she's mad at me. She goes, I can't, and she'll say something like, I can't even believe you. And I go, what? what? I said, what? She goes, I, I, just, I just can't believe, believe that you would do that. And I said, do what, honey? Sleep longer than you? I, I always sleep longer than you. And, and she goes, no, I just, I'm just so angry with you. I, just, I don't even want to talk to you today. And I'm like, what did I do? She says, I had a dream. I'm like, what? She goes, I had a dream. You were in my dream. And you know what you did in my dream? And I'm like, honey, I am not responsible for what I did in your dream. She goes, well, you did it in my dream. And I go, I wasn't in your dream. I was in my dream. Everybody in your dream is you. Because they're in your dream. So you're making everything happen. How can I be guilty? How can I be responsible for what you're doing inside of your own head? She says, well, don't do it again. <laughs> I think that's the way many of us relate to God. We have both sides of the conversation. God, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what needs to happen. And the moment God tries to speak in your life, you go, no, I'm not really listening. I don't want to get, hear your side. I'm telling you your side. See, if you've ever been angry with God and bitter with God and disappointed with God, you know you've had both sides of the conversation. Because God never breaks his promises. God always speaks the truth. So if you think that God was going to do something in your life and he didn't do it, that was just you talking to you, cutting God out of the conversation. Nathaniel says, how do you know him? And he says, I'm the only one who knows you. And I want you to know something, that, that God wants to have a conversation with you, but a part of that conversation is he's going to call you out. Start thinking about this word repentance that we don't really use a lot. But it's a powerful word. The word repentance means to change your mind. 
And the word repentance can have a very negative effect. In fact, it did even during the time of John the Baptist who prepared the way for Jesus because John said, repent. And all the religious leaders were offended when he said, repent. Because you see, you can only be offended when you're called to repent if you think you've already arrived. If you think that you're everything you're supposed to be, when someone says repent, you're like, who do you think you are? You don't know me. See, when John said repent, the multitudes ran and were baptized in this baptism of repentance. Because, you see, there has to be two things for repentance to happen. There, 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 there has to be something that needs to change in our lives. And that's everybody. But the thing that I think we don't talk about enough is that, that there has to be in us a desire to change. So when people heard repent, what they actually heard was God has not given up on us. He's calling us to an opportunity to live a life that he created us to live. He's calling us to more. See, when Jesus called out Nathaniel, he didn't just call out the good. He called out of him who he was supposed to become but never caught. He's going to keep calling you out. He's never going to let you settle for less. He's never going to let you lie to yourself and tell yourself, this is all there is. This is all I can be. I cannot change. God's going to keep speaking in your life and saying, of course you can change. I know I can change you. And so Nathaniel responds, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Which I think is awesome. I think Jesus should respond by giving him a standing ovation. Yes! You get it. You got it so fast. I am the son of God. I am the king of Israel, but he doesn't. In fact, what happens next is it's kind of sad. Jesus is so unimpressed with Nathaniel's declaration of Jesus. Jesus says, do you believe just because I told you, I saw you, when you were under the fig tree? Can, can you hear, like, the disappointment? Really, that's all it took? All I had to do is tell you I saw you under a fig tree, and you're like, wow, I'm in. You're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. I think it's interesting because now Jesus has moved beyond calling out the good in him and calling out the him he was created to become. He was now calling him to a life he could not live alone. A life he could not live without God. He says, I'm so disappointed, Nathaniel. I, 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 I mean, I'm glad you believe, but do you believe just because I told you that I saw you when, when you were under the fig tree? He says this next. You will see much greater things than this. Saying, Nathaniel, you need to raise your expectation. You need to expect more. If this is all you need that I saw you, look, there's some of you, what you really need is you need to know that God sees you. You need to know that God hears you. He knows your struggle. He knows your pain. He knows what you're going through. He knows that you're wrestling with God. You're wrestling with faith. You're wrestling and struggling through life. But that's not supposed to be the end game when you finally go, oh, God sees me, and God loves me, and God values me, and I matter to God. I want you to, that's just, that's just the opening. That's the first step. So you will see much greater things than this. So I'm going to call out the impossible within you. See, Jesus doesn't just call the good out of you. He doesn't just call the invisible out of you. He calls the impossible out of you. And, and then he says something. I'll be really, really, really transparent here. I almost didn't add this verse because it's kind of crazy. And then he said to them, I am telling you the truth. You will see heaven open and God's angels going up and coming down on the Son of Man. Oh, that's just so self-explanatory. I don't really need to embellish on that. You, you, he's like, oh, of course. You got it, right? Let's move on. What's Jesus actually saying to him? You know what Jesus is actually saying? Nathaniel, you're looking at me. And if you follow me, if you trust me, if you step across that line of faith and step into the life I have for you, you're going to realize that I am the intersection between time and space. 
I am the intersection between time and eternity. I am the intersection between heaven and earth. What you're going to experience, Nathaniel, is I'm going to rip open the walls between heaven and earth, and heaven and earth are going to become one. And you're going to experience eternity in every moment of your life. See, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are no longer trapped in time. You're not simply stuck in this moment. When you step into a relationship with the creator of the universe, you have walked through a portal. And eternity is now flooding into every second, every moment of your existence. And Jesus wants to call you out so that you can live the extraordinary, unexplainable, unbelievable, miraculous life that he created you to live. I, I remember after I finished high school, some of you know, I was a straight D student. And, uh, so I barely graduated from high school, so I didn't go to college right away. And I just didn't do anything. I was just a throwaway human being. And I felt it. You know, I was working, flipping pizzas and flipping burgers and working construction and working as a carpenter and working as a lumberjack and any job I could get, I would take. But I knew that I was just existing. I was just surviving. There there were were moments where I just felt like I was suffocating because my life had no significance and no meaning and no direction and no future, and it's a horrible place to be. And so I begged my way into a college, and I, uh, I, I remember my, my, my first day of um, where they were, like, processing the students, and they're kind of helping us understand the university, and, and they gave me the counselor to the gifted students. Oh, this is kind of awesome, right? I know I'm an underachiever, but they see, they see the gifting, but that wasn't it at all. You see, what happened was that all the other counselors had too many students, and there were not that many gifted students in the school that let me in. So she didn't have enough students, so they gave her me. And I don't remember her name, but I remember that meeting. We sat in her office, and she pulled out all the paperwork on my admissions, and, and she said, your projected GPA is 2.2. I was so excited. Like 2.2, really? Wow, so that, that's passing, right? right? That's just over a D. Like, I'm, you guys are seeing a better future for me. I'm upgrading. Low C. And I was actually feeling pretty good. Because that's the level of expectation I had of me. I didn't think I was anyone more. I thought my lot in life was just to barely pass. Or just to always fail. But that's who I was. And this counselor looked at me and said, no, no, no. The 2.2 is our indicator that you're expected to flunk out after the first semester. I'm like, oh, okay, that's different. (laughs) And then she looked at me and she said, that's what they're saying about you. Now you need to decide what you're saying about yourself. And she called me out. She didn't call me out for everything I've done wrong. She didn't call me out for my past. She didn't call me out for my failures. She didn't call me out for all these different causes and reasons that she could have called me out. She was calling me out into my future. She called me out and said, is this who you are? Is this who you decided to be? And, and, you know, I didn't know God then, and I didn't know Jesus then, and I didn't know anything about this. But I just decided that the universe must be speaking to me. And that somehow the universe decided to put me with the counselor to the gifted students because the universe knows that deep down inside, somewhere, somewhere deep, deep, deep inside of me, there's a gifted me underneath the underachieving me. That there was a significant me underneath the insignificant me. There was a courageous me underneath the fearful me. And in that moment, I decided that I wasn't going to spend my life waiting for someone to call me out to be more. And you cannot know how that prepared me for Jesus. Because you, you, can, you can't even imagine. Do you know what it's like to, to not know if your life matters, if you're insignificant, if you have no gifting, no talent, nothing to make a contribution in this world with? And then to have an encounter with the creator of the universe, to come face to face with Jesus of Nazareth. And to have God look at me and say, 
Erwin, I'm calling you out. You cannot just survive. You were not created to exist. I want to allow you to live and wallow in mediocrity. I want to allow you to choose a life of conformity. I want to allow you to drift in the status quo. I'm telling you, you cannot have an encounter with Jesus and stay the same. You cannot come to know the creator of the universe and be unmoved. The God who created all the cosmos, the God who spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. The God who spoke, and all the universe came into existence and speaking into your life right now. And he will not let you settle for less. He will not let you be someone you were never created to be. He will not let you live in fear. He will not allow you to wallow in your own despair or depression or anxiety or stress. He will not allow you to be defined by failure or brokenness. You've been called out. Now what are you going to do about it? You have to decide. Who will you be? What voice will you listen to? Will you settle for less? Will you just be less? Will you step across that line of faith and say, Jesus, I want all the more. I want to become the human being you created me to be. I want to be who you see. I want to be who you see. And I stopped arguing with God a long time ago. Because all the voices inside of me told me what I was not voice that came from Jesus told me who I would become if I would trust him with my life. And that is the calling that he has for you right now. Would you just bow your heads with me just for a moment and just close your eyes. There's some of you here right now and you've been wrestling, you've been struggling with God. And you didn't even know you are struggling with God, you just knew you were struggling. You've been struggling with who you are. You've been struggling with your life. You've been struggling with your choices. You've been struggling with your sense of, of purpose and identity and destiny and intention. And you're just so tired of fighting, but I want you to, I want you to know that right now, God is fighting for you. And he will not let go of you. So don't let go of him. There's some of you here who right now you need to step across the line of faith and give your life to Jesus. Because 2,000 years ago, he gave his life for you. He's just waiting for you to receive that life by giving your life to him. And I want to call you out right now. This is your moment. Not later, not soon. Not tomorrow, now. It's time to open up your life. Hey, Jesus, I give you my life. So I want you right now to call it out of yourself, to call out faith, to call out courage, to call out the trust. And right now, I want you to pray this prayer to Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life. It's just one sentence. It's not everything you and God need to talk about. It's going to open up the conversation. But it's where it begins right now. Just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Just declare it, Jesus, I give you my life. Take ownership right now of your life. Take your future in your hands in this moment. Let eternity flood into this moment by giving your life to Jesus. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. If this is your prayer, if this is your longing, if this is what you have longed to cry out under your own fig tree, in your own private space, saying, God, I need you. I want you to right now, this moment, Jesus has heard your prayer, and you belong to him. And he will never leave you or abandon you. But I want to pray for you but I want to call you out first. 
if you just cross the line of faith and pray, Jesus, I give you my life. I want you right now, without shame, without hesitation, without apprehension, I want you just to raise your hand right now and say, yes, this is my moment, yes. I'm giving my life to Jesus right now. Just hold it up, I wanna see you. Right now, hold it up, beautiful. Hold it up right now, I wanna see your hands, wherever you are. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Anyone else? Jesus, I give you my life. Anyone else right now? This is your moment. God is speaking to you. Anyone else? Jesus, I give you my life. So good. Father, I thank you for all the women and men who in this moment have opened up their lives to you, who have crossed the line of faith, who have declared, Jesus, I give you my life. I pray that God, right now, you would just wrap them up in your love and let them know that they belong to you. God, I just, I pray that in this moment, they would just have a sense that, that eternity has just rushed in, that, that they have seen angels from heaven to earth. That God, the impossible has just happened. They've had an encounter with the creator of the universe and they will never be the same again. This is the beginning of new things. We thank you, Father. Jesus, thank you for for doing the uncomfortable work of calling us out to more, calling us out to be who you created us to be. Thank you that you see us and that we matter, but more than that, that you never, never stop believing in us. So we stand here called out and stepping up. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just thank God for all those just responding to him? So good. So good. All right. This year, let's call people out. Let's call each other out. Let's create a new movement. Let's start a new conversation. Let's start calling out the good in people. Let's start calling out of people what's not in them yet, but they long to become. Because somebody needs you to believe in them. Somebody needs you to see the greatness in them. Someone needs you to see their potential, their capacity. Somebody needs you to see their better future, their better self. So let's not call people out for their worst moments. Let's call them out for their best moments and say, now this was just one moment in who you're gonna be for all of eternity. So let's call each other out and let's call each other up. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.